Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text hope NY in New York. Welcome on into the Wolverine.com podcast. Clayton Safey here with Anthony Broom. Chris Ballas not able to make it today. Make sure to like the video if you're watching on YouTube. Hit the thumbs up. Give us that like if you want Michigan to beat Nick Saban and Alabama in the Rose Bowl to kick off the new year. So if you don't want that to happen, don't hit the like button. But if you want it to happen, make sure to hit that thumbs up. Subscribe to our YouTube channel here as well as head to thewolverine.com. We have a special offer for all of our podcast listeners and viewers. $1 for two months of premium access using the promo code UM1. So that is an exclusive offer for you listening right now or watching on the YouTube channel. Promo code UM1 for two months of premium access costs you $1.50 a month. Pretty good deal considering how expensive things are these days. So take advantage right now. Anthony, how are we doing today as we sit here on December 14th, a couple weeks away here, two and a half until the game, and we got holidays coming up and all that? Not bad. It kind of feels like the, I won't say the dead zone, but it's like the calm before the storm right now. Everyone's doing their holiday shopping. The team is back practicing this week. I uh, haven't, haven't heard from any of them yet. Well, I'm sure at some point next week, I, I believe we'll be in the building talking to people but uh the submarine is back for michigan football and right now it's just you know you're cleaning up the awards you're cleaning up transfer portal stuff obviously the early signing day comes next wednesday so a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes not so much outwardly at the moment uh for us we just wrapped up a magazine so feels good to have a few days to just kind of breathe a little bit and normally that is what happens right before there's some sort of controversy for us to cover. So we'll, well see we're what happens on that front. 
well, I mean, we, we live in it. I mean, it's, you don't, we don't move from controversy to controversy. We're just in it always, but yeah. Uh, right now it's been a good to have a few days to kind of catch up on, on stuff that isn't necessarily pertaining to work, uh, but also getting stuff ready for what is to come as well. Yeah, we will talk about the controversy that AB is referring to, Jawan Howard, at the end of the show. We'll talk a little bit of basketball, but uh, yeah, certainly football been a little bit quieter. They're not going to talk about it. They're going to be about it. Something Jim Harbaugh said when he got hired and went to that submarine, as you said, and it seems like they're kind of back in that right now. I uh, want to talk about our friends over at Prize Picks before we get more into some Michigan football and basketball talk. But bowl season is almost here. We got first bowl games, I think, starting on Saturday, and there is no better way to enjoy the games than by playing daily fantasy with prize picks. You pick two to six players and predict if they will go more or less than their prize picks projection. You can win up to 25 times your money on any entry. All first-time users that deposit and use promo code Wolverine will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. So if you deposit 100, prize picks will give you 100. If you deposit 50, they will give you 50. Again, that's promo code Wolverine for an 100% instant deposit match up to $100. AB, we make our picks each and every week. What do you got this week? And then I'll give mine. Yeah, uh, well, again, we're not quite in the dead zone of the sports season, but uh, the only event really we have as we record today that's notable for us is, you know, we're football guys. So we're looking at that Thursday night football game with Easton Stick against Aiden O'Connell. Uh, not sure anyone had that on their bingo card for a Chargers and Raiders matchup, but I'm going with Devontae Adams. Both of these are first half numbers, by the way. Uh, Devontae Adams over 30, or I'm sorry, more than 34 and a half receiving yards uh, in the first half against the Chargers. And then Austin Eckler, more than 23 and a half rushing yards in the first half in that game tonight. So something that gives me a little juice to watch Thursday night football. It'll probably be on regardless of my house, but those are my plays for this week. I like it. Yeah, Easton Stick. Can't believe that person exists. Um, would think if he does exist, he plays lacrosse, but he doesn't. Apparently, he plays football in the National Football League. I'm going to go with a couple picks from this game as well. First, I'm going to go with more than three and a half total field goals made between uh, Chargers kicker Cameron Dicker and Daniel Carson, or opposite, Vegas kicker. Um, yeah, Chargers kicker Dicker and uh, Vegas kicker Daniel Carlson over uh, more than three and a half. And then I'm also going to go Austin Eckler, Chargers running back more than a half a touchdown, either receiving or rushing. But those are my picks uh, here. And um, yeah, I'm excited to though check and refresh the board once we start on Saturday and we get more bowl games because people call them meaningless, AB, but but I don't think they're meaningless. It's going to be fun. not for the guys playing. It's true. Uh, so go to prizepicks.com or download the app today. Use the promo code Wolverine for an instant deposit match up to $100. Again, promo code Wolverine. Uh, let's get into some Michigan football. We'll start with the All-American teams coming out that's been coming out over the last week from the five different major electors uh, that determine the consensus All-American teams and the unanimous All-American teams. So Zach Zinter, Michigan right guard, obviously out for the season, but he earns unanimous All-America honors. So congratulations to him. He's Michigan's first unanimous first-team All-American on the offensive line since Jake Long in 2007. Uh, those are the only two this century to earn that honor. Steve Hutchinson, 
in 2000 before that. Of course, Pro Football Hall of Famer was able to earn it, but pretty rare on the offensive line. Last year, Olu, Olu Atimi was a first-teamer from four of five that you need, so he was consensus but not unanimous. Um, it's Michigan's 26th ever unanimous All-American, the fourth under Jim Harbaugh. Blake Corum last year, Aiden Hutchinson in 2021, Jabril Peppers in 2016 being the others. And that makes it three straight years with Michigan having a unanimous All-American for the first time since 1988 to 91. A four-year stretch was Mark Messner in 88, uh, Trip Wellborn two straight years, 89 to 90, and then Desmond Howard in 1991. So a lot there. One, it's a big feat for a Michigan offensive lineman. And two, just the fact that every year they've kind of had this dominant player. And by, by the way, you have Zinter with this accolade, but also Corum and J.J. McCarthy, top 10 in Heisman Trophy voting. So you have some star power on, on the Michigan Wolverines teams, and you kind of need that if you're going to make it this far like they have the last few years. Yeah, it's a big deal. And and part of it is, one, you tip your hat to Zach Zinter. You know, this has been an offensive line that, to me, when you watch them, they're a rung or two below what they have been in terms of that Joe Moore award quality that they set themselves over the last few years. But, you know, Zach Zinter has has done his part of the job and then some. He's a guy that, you know, one of the, the biggest compliments that you can pay to an offensive lineman is that you don't hear their name mentioned a ton. And throughout this year, like, wow, gosh, you, know, you just don't hear Zach Zinter getting called for penalties. You don't hear his name on the broadcast. It's it's because he's doing his job and he's doing it really well, as well as any interior offensive lineman in college football. So certainly to me, not a surprise to see him get that sort of nod, uh, you know, from there again, when you have the type of team success that Michigan has, it's going to lend itself to a lot of accolades and a lot of awards. And I gotta be honest, I mean, over the last few weeks, outside of doing what we've done for the magazine, like I'm not really sure who's won what, because so much is coming out. There's so much praise for all these players. And, you know, kind of just goes to show you too, that, as we get closer to this game with Alabama, you know, there's always the talk about, oh, well, Al Al the way that Alabama recruits, look at all these five stars, look, you know, look how loaded they are heading into this matchup. But, you know, Michigan has got that type of, you know, maybe not the same type of top flight talent uh, and they won't have Zinter on the field, which is a huge deal for them. Something that they're going to have to figure out over these next few weeks. But, you know, you look at like the pro football focus, uh, the draft big board, I wrote something up on that the other day. Of the, you know, there's 275 guys on that board. 27 of them are from Michigan or Alabama. Michigan having 14, Alabama having 13. So, you know, we hear it all the time. These guys talk about, oh, well, I don't worry about individual success because with team success will come the accolades. And then obviously with what we've seen over the last few weeks since the end of the regular season, that's obviously been the case. So shout out to Zach Zinter, first and foremost. Shout out to JJ McCarthy, Blake Corum. Again, I don't know who voted for a couple of those guys got first place votes. I don't know who those belong to. It doesn't really matter. Uh did trigger some people for some reason, even though it's just their opinion, their vote. But when you have so many guys playing as well as they did to get Michigan to this point, the accolades are going to roll in and uh sucks that Zach Zinter doesn't get to see this season out to completion. But at the same time, I can't think of anyone more deserving for his play on the field. Yeah. The first place votes too. I mean, I mean, part of me is like, well, those are like two of the top players on the best team in the country. And usually, I mean, usually you're you're semi up there. Michigan, the only team with two top 10 Heisman Trophy vote getters this year. 
Um, so it kind of makes sense there. But yeah, I mean, did one of them deserve to win the Heisman? Probably not. But I mean, what? How many? How many hundreds or potentially a thousand? You know, Heisman votes are there? So not the craziest thing, probably in the world that you know Desmond. There Howard are too many of them. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> probably, yeah, definitely, actually. Um, and just kidding, I don't know that Desmond actually did it, but um, either him or him or Woodson or whoever's doing Harmon's, uh, probably one of them, but maybe not. Uh, I don't think they're allowed to to release those, are they? But uh, Michigan in total, five All-Americans. I'll read off the list here from, again, the five different publications uh, that were able to do this. Zach Zinter gets first team from all five, as we mentioned. Blake Corum, first team uh, from the Coaches Association, second team from Walter Camp and the Football Writers Association, third team from the Associated Press. Defensive tackle Chris Jenkins, second team uh, for, from the Writers. And the coaches, third team from the AP, Mikey Sainristil, first team from Sporting News. That was his only All-American honor. And then Mason Graham, second team from Sporting News. So Sporting, Sporting News, watching a lot of Michigan football and realizing just how good those two guys have been. AB, I was thinking about this yesterday. Is there a player in college football, maybe not on a down-to-down basis, but that has made more big plays on the defensive side of the football than Mikey Sainer still this year. You think of his two picks against Maryland that came in crucial spots, you know, a big hit against Ohio State, um, you know, pick six against Michigan State, a game-changing pick six against Rutgers. I'm obviously missing some. He had two forced fumbles in the Big Ten championship game. I mean, when this team needs a play on defense, Mikey Sainer still, you know, you could add a few other guys in that list. I feel like Jalen Harrell has been clutch this year, a couple other guys, but Mikey Sainer still, for the most part, has been that guy. Yeah, he has been that guy. And it kind of goes back to when you look back to the play he made in last year's Ohio State game. Since then, it's just been a calendar True. year full of great play after great play after key play. Every time they need a play, like you said, he's been the guy that steps up. So, again, I mean, I feel like when a lot of these – and I'm just looking at it through the senior bowl lens – pro football, you know, the, the stock lens of the draft. I feel like a lot of these teams are going to flip on the film. And, and yeah, the measurables, we'll see what those wind up being. They're going to look at a guy that will come up and hit you. They're going to look at a guy that is adept at, at forcing turnovers, creating turnovers. I feel like he's a guy that uh, I, I could see him doing what he's doing now at the next level for a very long time. You know, the instincts are there. The playmaking ability is there. And the clutch gene, that's not something, this isn't, Listen, I mean, I'm not taking away from Rod Moore's interception at the end of the Ohio State game. That's a great play, but also a fortuitous play, right? But in the moment where you need a play and the guy is in position to make one, Mikey Sainer still, in terms of any player on this team, I think would probably be at the top of this list, offense or defense. So, yeah, kudos to him for sure. I actually think, too, next in line, we've already kind of seen it. I think Rod Moore is right in that mold. Too, you see the pick there. I mean, remember his freshman year being the guy on the fourth down stop against Penn State? That was his first career start. Led Michigan in tackles against Ohio State a couple of weeks later as a true freshman, a kid from Ohio that kind of has that chip on his shoulder. But I feel like he's in that mold. Um, and you know, it'd be it'd be great, obviously, for Michigan to get him back and some of these other guys back for another year. I know that's a big talking point at this time of the year as well. Can I, um, can I just say ahead. one more thing about Mikey really quick? Of course. When you make the type of plays that he has made in the types of moments that he's made them, that's the type of stuff to me that puts you in the conversation with, you know, the Aiden Hutchinsons and, 
and some of those other guys that you know we we hear Jim Harbaugh. Harbaugh will call anyone a Michigan legend for just making a single play, but the amount of plays that he's made, I mean, I feel like time is going to be very kind to to Mikey Sainer still. So, I mean, he's right up there for me with with Aiden Hutchinson, with Jabril Peppers, with Devin Bush. He's he's in that conversation. Well, and it's it's the leadership too that he's brought. And when you think of the year that everything kind of changed for Michigan coming off of 2020, Aiden Hutchinson obviously led the charge, but Mikey Sainer still was on the leadership council that year. He was part of that group that was just becoming upperclassmen that year that also helped change things. And look, I mean, Aiden Hutchinson obviously should have left and became the number two pick, but, you know, so obviously there's no blame there, but just in terms of the fact that Mikey Sanderson and some of these other guys have been there longer as part of this turnaround and now three straight big 10 championships. I think you have to add that into the equation as well, the longevity. Um, and obviously it just, it's all age there and kind of chance a little bit because Aiden would have done the same thing had he been, you know, a couple of years behind there with these guys, but he was part of it at the beginning. And then he, you know, saw that turnaround and guys like Mikey kind of took the torch and ran with it. For sure. And it's crazy to think, you know, just go back to 2022 spring ball where this is a position change that's suggested. And you're like, Oh, they need to replace Daxton Hill. That's guy, the first round pick, you know, he's made some plays as well, but to have it go from to basically have Daxton Hill's quote unquote replacement step in as a former wide receiver and not only play up to that level, but surpass it is it's special. And he's a, he's a guy that is certainly deserving of any recognition he gets. No doubt. seems like they're trying to bring in that type of replacement in the transfer portal right now, Upton Stout out of Western Kentucky. Seems like he's trending to Michigan. I know our guy, Anthony Broom on the other side there has an article ready for his potential commitment. So uh, we will see what happens there. Uh, but Michigan searching for the next guy. But I mean, that was probably the best position switch. You know, I, I'm not the historian or the authority on this, but I mean, certainly the best I've seen uh, in terms of one side of the ball to the other, and maybe even within one side of the ball. But, uh, you know, that's the best in Michigan history I've seen and, and probably right up there with any other ones going back, you know, 144 years of Michigan football. Um, yeah, let's it's, talk- uh, it's yeah, better than making Ben Mason a defensive tackle. I'll, I'll give it that much. What would you grade that one? Uh, one, one to ten. I don't want to do letters and get a little more spicy. Uh, one to Three, ten. I mean, like negatives, two. negative ten. I, I just never made sense. Anywho, that's that's a bygone era. That's bad on me for bringing it up. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. I like it. 
Um, all right, let's talk running backs quickly before we get on to Jawan Howard and Michigan basketball. We touched on a little bit on Monday with CJ Stokes. I did want to update people because we did get a few asking, uh, but CJ Stokes puts out on social media yesterday on Wednesday that he's going to stay with the team through the college football playoff. So an interesting schedule for him in the next several weeks because that could include the trip to the Rose Bowl, which it sounds like he's going to potentially down to Houston for the national championship game. But also, is he going to take visits? Um, obviously, in contact with different schools. I saw Indiana offered him. Uh, but I think that's a good a good call, you know, because the it's not his fault that this college football calendar is so screwed up where you have to enter the portal before your season's over. So they're in the middle of a successful season. C.J. Stokes has certainly contributed, whether it's, you know, behind the scenes at practice. Uh, and, you know, obviously played in, in two games as well this year. But your thoughts on that? Alan Bowman did it last year. He stayed on, and and that was, uh, I think, a good move as well. But maybe a few years ago, Jim Harbaugh wouldn't have allowed this. That's just a guess from me. But uh, I think he's, you know, changing with the times, and so are people around college football. Yeah, the calendar is, is super screwy. And I know it has a lot to do with, you know, getting guys enrolled, getting guys in before the winter semester starts or, or whatever it is, but, you know, to have guys and it's screwy with coaches too. I mean, you have coaches that will wind That's up taking true. jobs or coordinators that will take head coaching jobs. But uh, you know, we've seen that before with uh, Dan Lanning at Georgia a couple of years ago, he stayed through the college football playoffs. So it is screwy, but I will give, uh, I will give a guy like Stokes and, and if any other guys, there might be guys that plan to transfer that just haven't put it out there yet. Cause I think that's probably how the number Matt Hibner, I think is in that group. Yeah. I, I think so too. And, and so not all those guys are going to make announcements and whatnot, but um, you know, it's, I credit guys for not just cutting, you know, cutting and running. I could think of at least a couple of Michigan players from last year that did that. that didn't stick it out. But again, I, I think I blame that more on the calendar than anything else. Uh, you just look at Stokes in general, uh, that was a guy where we thought he was going to be in that mix for the third running back job. We suspected that Khalil Mullings was the guy, but there was still competition there. And then you, you look, you look ahead to next year, obviously it's clearly Khalil Mullings and almost Donovan. Blake Horn will be gone. Um, Donovan Edwards may or may not be back. You've got Jordan Marshall coming in. You've got some good freshmen writing was just kind of on the wall. So I don't blame a guy for, again, it's just, when you have good players, we've talked about this a number of times on here. When you have a lot of good players in to compete, guys are going to wind up going elsewhere to, because they want to play ultimately too. So, yeah, the calendar's a little screwy. We'll see who wind, who else winds up in there. Um, there's going to be a lot of turnover. I think that this roster next year will be able to maintain most of its star power one way or another. But, yeah, obviously those guys on the margins, I think we're going to start seeing some movement there. Maybe even – I thought maybe we'd see a little bit more this week, but – Maybe next week is the time, right before Christmas, right before the holiday, right before you know you start making your plans to to travel to the Rose Bowl. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah, I feel like I mean nothing would shock me, but now that they are back on the field and everything, like you know, you kind of had your week to to make a decision. Some probably have decided they're going to enter later, but I feel like we probably won't see a ton here, at least in the immediate future. Uh, in terms of the running back room. What would your thoughts be on a Donovan Edwards, Kalel Mullings, Jordan Marshall, Ben Hall, Cole Cabana, Tavi Dunlap backfield for next year? 
I could live with it. I think there's you you could at the very least, I think they could piece something together with that. But you and I have both talked a lot about I feel like Kalel Mullings probably should have played more this year at the expense of Donovan Edwards. Sorry, Dono. Uh if he comes back again, it's I, I don't feel like it's a given that if Donovan Edwards comes back, all of a sudden he's this team's bell cow. He's gonna have to earn that. And this year, what we've seen a lot from him is a guy that does not run particularly well through contact. The explosiveness just hasn't quite been there. They haven't really done an awesome job of getting him the ball in the open field either. I think that's where we've seen some of his better plays come from. I but agree. Yeah, that, uh, I think they'd be fine there. I mean, if Donovan Edwards and Kalel Mullings are your two, I don't, obviously you don't have, I don't think you have like a lead bell cow there, but I think you can live with that. And then, some of those other guys coming in, or you know, we, we know that they like Benjamin Hall a lot. We know that Cole Cabana is going to have some sort of role. Uh, Jordan Marshall is a guy that I think would play as a true freshman. So yeah. to me, it's not – I know people saw Trevor Etienne enter the portal, and obviously if he wanted to come to Michigan, you'd take him. But it's not a, a scenario where, like, if J.J. McCarthy leaves, all of a sudden you're kind of – I won't say screwed at quarterback, but – uh, it looks a lot different there. I think they have guys to backfill that production and guys that will step into bigger roles at the running back spot. So I could live with it for sure. Yeah, I think it would be it would be solid enough. I mean, I think Donovan Edwards, as much as people are down on him right now as a runner, I mean, I think he can improve. I think a, an offseason that he doesn't have to deal with multiple surgeries could benefit him. And I think working under Mike Hart another year, it does wonders for anybody. I mean, he's he's fantastic as a running backs coach. So I'm not totally out on the idea of Donovan Edwards being a featured back, certainly at the college level. Um, you know, he's got to come back for that to happen. I think probably I would guess he does. But at the same time, I, I do think he'd get drafted, uh, you know, from an NFL team if he wanted to go just because of kind of what he's shown in his versatile skill set. Uh, but I wouldn't feel too bad about that. A lot of it, too, would depend on what J.J. does. Because if JJ comes back and that's your backfield, I can really live with that. If yeah. JJ doesn't come back and you are going to want to lean more on the run game, then that's where I get a little bit more worried. Yeah, if JJ McCarthy doesn't come back, all of a sudden it you know it, it changes the conversation. But if he does, and and I don't know that, and again, this is just me spitballing here. This isn't based on intel or anything. But if JJ McCarthy does come back, I do wonder if that the pitch is more to showcase himself as maybe being the top quarterback off the board next year, which would mean obviously is some more passing a little more of his dual threat skill set on display. So, so we'll have another off season of, of 50, 50 talk. Yeah. Well, Oh, you know, we want to come out of every game with so-and-so with X amount of touches. And so such and such with this amount. Yeah. Like we do every year we hear that, but you know, with JJ McCarthy, I think that he's by far the biggest piece to all of this because I think that's going to inform that might inform on the other side of the ball. Maybe that's what informs Junior Colson or a guy like you know guys like him or Rod Moore to come back because you know JJ's coming back and you're going to have a you know the the most important weapon you need to make another run at this thing, whatever the result winds up being this year. So, to me, you know, with the running backs, I think if you just take what they have now exit Blake Corum, enter Jordan Marshall. I think that they can find a way to piece that together. And I think that they would find a way to make it work. It's, I have some questions about the offensive line still. Uh, we'll see what, if they wind up making any additions right. there, but 
yeah, I think that they'd be fine. They'll be fine at running back. I, I, I even if Donovan Edwards leaves, I think that they'd be fine at running back. So we'll see what happens. Do you agree with this statement? If JJ McCarthy comes back to Michigan, Donovan Edwards comes back to Michigan. Yes. I yeah, I, I think that's probably true, just based on the relationship and the appeal of, of playing with with guys like that on either side. Um, I think that's probably the case. I do I did just pull up the numbers here from PFF. They are more 50-50 than people think. This is when JJ McCarthy's in the game, 322 passes compared to 382 runs. Again, this is a team that's 13 and 0 and has won every game or almost every game pretty convincingly. That compares to last year, 385 passes. This is through 14 games, including one against TCU where they threw a ton uh, compared to 476 runs. So quite a bit more run heavy a year ago. Makes a lot of sense considering you had a first year starting quarterback and uh, Blake Corum, you know, as just a guy who you could really rely on and you hand the ball to a ton. But they have been a little bit more balanced than I think people want to give them credit for, even though I do think they could be still a little bit more creative. Yeah, definitely need to be a little more creative. But when you look at, and again, someone in the, the comments will yell at me over the math, but I think that maybe worked out to like maybe because that stat was with JJ McCarthy in the game, right? That's correct. This year. Yep. So if my math is correct, that's what maybe five more runs than passes per game. I don't know. That's just the the loose quick math there. That's not crazy at all. Uh, especially we know at its core, this Michigan offense wants to control the line of scrimmage and they do want to hammer the ball a little bit, but yeah, given, given what they have, I mean, given everything, I think that that's, yeah, I, I think they've been fairly balanced. You know, some people mistake them, some people mistake like the amount of plays and the, the amount of production is what, what truly constitutes 50 50. But from a play calling perspective, I think that they've done a pretty good job this year of just moving the ball by whatever it takes. And every game, some games have looked different than others, but uh, yeah, they've, they've done a fine job there. I think overall. And he's also been banged up a little bit too. I think that's, that's worth noting, especially when you look at, because we were, we were singing a little bit of a different tune a few weeks ago before these last, few games um about the offense and its aggression and everything but I, I do think there are some injuries played a part in that uh let's move on to Michigan basketball as we wrap things up here Jawan Howard and John Sanderson situation we got more uh details on that midweek Jeff Goodman with his reporting on the Goodman and Hummel podcast and then Brendan Quinn of the Athletic writing pretty lengthy report on what he's picked up from that are Chris Ballas and yourself have weighed in with a couple columns on this. So people can go check those out as well, but kind of just our thoughts as, as we do have a couple key details that we didn't know on Monday uh, that, that we've now gathered, you know, basically the one that really stood out to me reading Brendan Quinn's report was the fact that John Sanderson filed a claim with Michigan HR and the fact that this thing is, as of Wednesday afternoon, still going through an HR review and still pending. So Jawan Howard is at Mott Children's Hospital. He was earlier in the week, you know, uh, you know, giving gifts to the kids there. He was out on the recruiting trail on Tuesday night. He's operating business as usual, but this thing's still under a review. Um, and, you know, it sounds like him and Sanderson were chest to chest, yelling at each other and had to be separated. 
uh, kind of goes along with the initial report said uh, with this situation before practice last Thursday. But your thoughts on kind of just the new details that that have emerged? Because uh, I'll say this to start off the discussion. I think that the fact that John Sanderson went to HR, I'm not blaming him for it, certainly. But just the fact that this wasn't able to be handled within the program or really within the athletic department behind closed doors speaks to a larger issue, potentially to what he allegedly said about the culture, you know, quote unquote, being the way that it is. Uh, that's it's just not a good sign. Yeah, to me, and again, I have to be really careful and just in general on our behalf of just not speaking out of turn. But my read on the situation is that something was said that crossed a line that wasn't just a, you know, a dispute among colleagues, coworkers pertaining to, you know, basketball matters or things and, like that. And those you are know, the missing get, details. Those are the important missing right. details. Yeah. And that's just me. That's me completely speculating. That's, I, mean, I agree with you, though. I agree with you. You can think think of the reasons in your regular job or our job or anyone else's job why HR would get involved. It's usually because something inappropriate was said or a line was crossed. I Thank mean, God we don't have HR. Thank God. Well, well, not Maybe not we do. not directly at the Wolverine. We do have overlords to that oversee and and we report to now. But to me, it's clear that something a line was crossed somewhere and. Yeah, Jawan Howard was out doing his job this week because he wasn't suspended from doing his job. No one was suspended from doing their jobs. John Sanderson apparently stepped away voluntarily while this thing was going on. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, we we only know these people in a professional capacity. You know, I'm not obviously we're not close with either of them. Having, you know, just having had a few conversations in the past with John Sanderson. Uh, he's always been a gentleman, always been polite, always been kind to me personally in those conversations that we've had, but doesn't strike me as a guy that would go scorched earth or sour grapes over a regular workplace dispute. So for me, it all kind of comes down to this is that when you look at this situation, which apparently started with Jace Howard, either uh, and Clayton, you can correct me. Did he not show up for treatment? Did he show up late? Uh, what exactly was Jace Howard's role in this? So I don't know exactly what he was frustrated about, but I, I think he was just kind of frustrated in general. Obviously, he hasn't played this year. I think Brendan Quinn may have wrote something like he was frustrated that he hasn't been cleared yet. He's obviously dealing mm -hmm. with the, the leg injury. So maybe it was that, and he was kind of letting the trainer have it, which is obviously inappropriate if if true. Yeah. Yeah, and, and let me just say it too. Like, there are no – there's no side to take here. I think everyone here was emotional and frustrated and, and in the wrong. Now it's a far cry, you know, it's a far cry from the initial reporting or the initial buzz that was maybe it got physical. I think you could still probably argue that getting chest to chest with someone is physical. Like that is, there is like a personal space. And people holding that, back and separating. Yeah. Yeah. When you have to be separated, like, yeah, that's I, just, you don't get kudos just because you didn't throw a punch. I guess maybe Jawan Howard would, given given the past. But again, without going for the you know swinging for the low hanging fruit or things like that, to me it's not. This is not normal or acceptable from anyone who purports to be a professional or a leader within an organization. Uh, obviously, Jawan's already under the microscope for what's happened in the past. Um, and all of this too, like it's not a fireable offense for anyone on the surface as one incident, 
but I don't think anyone can can argue that when we're already having conversations about the culture being fractured or the attention to detail just not being where it needs to be on so many levels. You know, it seemed like the initial rush of information was a little bit overblown, but having a longtime staffer, I think John Sanderson's been here for what, 15 years, clash with the guy who this is now year five for uh, Jawan Howard. Like it's not, this isn't normal, right? And, and the fact that, I don't know how long these reviews take, but that's not really normal either. Uh, well, I don't Michigan know doesn't work on, Michigan does not work on a timeline that is really used no. anywhere else in the world. No, they do not on a number of fronts. And Maybe the government. But... That's a separate issue entirely on both of those uh, levels. But um, the fact that we are sitting here having this conversation, uh, it's it's embarrassing. It's 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 not where you want to be. The fact that it happened in earshot of people, it happened in front of the team. Uh, kudos to them for even being able to come out and uh, coming out and performing the way they did on Sunday. But you know, absent of, and I wrote about this the other day, and my rant will end here after this, absent of turning this thing around and winning basketball games at a consistent, respectable level, if you're someone that's sitting here asking what we're even doing here right now, I I, I mean, what's the point of any of this? It's, I think we're getting closer. I already felt like we were kind of getting close to maybe hitting that reboot button on this entire operation and to be frank, this feels like something that might expedite that. For sure. I mean, it may expedite it after the season. It also, I mean, when you're sitting here talking about, and I think it's important to bring up that he has a zero policy or zero tolerance policy, excuse me, right now after what happened at Wisconsin in 2022. So, I mean, this is under a review from, somebody who's not involved, somebody that didn't hire him. You know, this is under the HR department's review where I think all kind of all bets are kind of off when when you look at that policy being in place for Juwan Howard. So whatever they find, if they find that as a strike on his record, I don't know what happens in the short term. Yeah, uh, again, once HR gets involved, you are beholden to a totally different set of circumstances and standards than you might be if it was just, you know, ward manual nearing needing to hear out what happened or something along those lines. So we'll see, but I'm going to be really interested in knowing, like maybe we might not ever know what was actually said, but that John Sanderson went to HR to me does raise a lot of, you know, it raises a lot of red flags about, okay, this might've been a little bit more than just two professionals arguing over the treatment schedule or a player's attendance or something like that. Yeah, and Jeff Goodman did say that John Sanderson had kind of had some frustrations with the culture at Michigan for some time. So obviously that's not surprising given what happened and that he filed that claim. Uh, Michigan back in action on Saturday. You hope there's some sort of resolution here uh, or that they get to the bottom of whatever. You know, I mean, I don't know how long it takes to to do that, but uh, before tip-off on Saturday against a terrible 5-4 and four Eastern Michigan team, Anthony, you and I were both at Little Caesars Arena last year when these two teams played. It was an exciting game. Imani Bates, uh, Noah Farrakhan, those guys were playing well. Michigan was it was going back and forth. I mean, Michigan was down at one point. But this is not the same Eastern Michigan team. They just lost to Oakland. They've lost to North Dakota, Florida Atlantic, and Butler. Those are two quality, respectable losses. But um, it, it's, it's not a good team. I think 
you know, Michigan's favored right now by 20 on Ken Palm. What would you like to see from the Wolverines in this game? Uh, I think they're, they'll probably win going away, but I mean, I think you want to see a little bit more that Terrace Reed is continuing to actually be on that upward trajectory because what he showed the last game was fantastic. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess what else do you want to see out of this Michigan team? Uh, hopefully everyone behaved themselves on the sideline first and foremost. Um, but, uh, I'm with you. I'd love to see Terrace Reed continue that, what we saw in the Iowa game. I mean, that's, I think that that was maybe an underrated step forward for him had had kind of had a rough start to the season before that. I'd like to see that continue. Um, Honestly, right now, this is going to sound so surface level and so cliche, but just to win in general, because you look at this stretch that they have coming up. You know, they've got the game against Eastern Michigan. They're going to play in the Jumpman Invitational next week against Florida, which, I mean, that to me right now, that's a must-win game, given how this the non-conference has, has gone for them. So, you know, you have those games. You have, you're going to play that tune-up game against McNeese at the end of December there. That's not as much of a, in. it's not as much of a tune-up game as I thought. McNeese well, it, it might not be, but you pay, you pay these teams for it to be a tune-up game. So, it's true. If they better win the game, right? So you look at that, like you need to win these next three and probably win the two that come after with Minnesota at home and that game with Penn State at the Palestra. Because then all of a sudden you're sitting there at, what would it be, 10 and five, and you're giving yourself a chance. Uh, if they can find a way to get to 18 wins by Selection Sunday, I think I saw, they would have, I believe, the last update that I put out, a 91% chance at the NCAA tournament. So this stretch of five games coming up and then, you know, a couple coin flip games into January before everything cranks itself up here in big 10 play, it would be huge. So I need, I just need to see them play 40 minutes of good, consistent winning basketball, because it seems like in the past, or at least you look back to last year, they'd have a game where they would figure it out and they'd be like, look, I told you we were good. And then the next three games would be right back to the stuff that, you know, we saw it that would frustrate us about that team. So to me, it's it's about bottling that performance from Sunday. Maybe play a little bit better defensively, but taking the good th- taking the good and packaging it together and actually carrying it over into the next game because we haven't seen that really since the first three games of the season. No, great points. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk McNeese State in a couple of weeks. I do have a couple of takes. Will Wade coming into town with 12 days to prepare. So it should be, uh, should be interesting, but that game on December 29th. So we got a little bit of time for that. We got Michigan, Florida on uh, Tuesday. So should be some hoops uh, coming up here. Didn't say good hoops. Didn't say exciting. Just should be some basketball coming up. Uh, Thanks everybody for joining us on today's show. Make sure to like the video. If you want Michigan to beat Alabama in the Rose bowl, subscribe to our channel and head to the Wolverine.com. Use the promo code UM1 for your exclusive offer. It gets you two months of premium access for just $1. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if you're first bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit 
FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Fanduel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Com in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE. NY or text Hope NY in New York.